Chapter 7, Definitions and Word Choice, Part 2. Contract Tip, Including Deliverables in the Services Definition. I don't include the defined term deliverables in the definition of services. I encourage you to reconsider that practice if you do. We typically use the term deliverables to describe the tangible byproduct of a vendor's services. If I hire someone to prepare a manual, the services performed is the act of writing, and the deliverable is the manual itself. While related, services and deliverables are different concepts. I found that they are often muddled together in contracts. For example, if you include deliverables and other things in the definition of services, you can end up with nonsensical uses in the agreement. Consider how different your contract terms are in a service-only contract compared to a goods-only one. There are different warranties, security protocols, delivery, acceptance criteria, and intellectual property terms, just to name a few. For example, a services warranty usually says, seller will perform the services in a good and workmanlike manner. Now insert the word good where the word services is. It doesn't make sense. But that's what we're doing when we lump deliverables in a services definition. I write terms about deliverables in the same way I write about goods. If I need a word for both services and deliverables, I pick a random term like work or project. Contract tip, defining defect. Think carefully about how you define the word defect in your agreement. Most product supply agreements include a warranty that says the goods will be free from defects in workmanship and materials. It invites the question, what's a defect? Two people could define defect differently. Is it a defect if the product has a huge scratch or becomes very loud? I'd go as far as say that the vendor and customer in most cases will define it differently if the contract is unclear. I prefer to be specific about what issues rise to the level of a defect. Here are some options to consider for your defect definition. Defect means a condition or issue with a part, component, or material in the product that causes the product not to strictly conform with X, some list of other quality warranties such as conform to the specifications. Two, impairs the intended use of the product. Three, causes an objectionable issue with the product, such as sound levels or overheating. Four, the buyer believes causes a potential safety hazard that could result in a personal injury or adverse health consequence. Or five, leads a non-structural surface imperfections leads to non-structural surface imperfections that impair any intended functionality of the product. Contract tip, avoid using gender pronouns. Let's all stop using gender pronouns when speaking generically about people in our contracts. I reviewed a contract recently that had a provision about relationship managers. The section was full of masculine pronouns. No individuals were named, so the drafter assumed they would be men. Please don't do that. In fact, let's stop using all gender pronouns in our contracts when there is no specific person 
for whom you know their preference. There really is no need to use them. At best, they are awkward. At worst, they're offensive. Some replace the his with his or her. I find this approach distracting. Plus, it doesn't account for all of those who avoid gender designations. I prefer to make things plural when I can and use the pronoun they. So instead of manager will provide his contact information, I write managers will provide their contact information. If it doesn't work in a context, then I use a defined term instead. I also use the pronoun they when referring to a single individual. I believe in creating inclusive documents that don't impose gender pronouns on people identified in our contracts. Contract tip, using including and means in your contracts. Avoid using including and means interchangeably in contracts. These words are different and have distinctive meanings. Includes is purposely imprecise and open-ended. We follow this word with a list of items, but imply that other unidentified items may also belong. This reading applies whether written alone or with, but not limited to. Means is more precise and limited. When we use means, we say this term is limited to what follows. Apply that understanding to how you use these words in your contracts. There are times when it's okay to be imprecise, such as the definition of force majeure. We include a list of exemplary events that fall into the definition. We purposely avoid limiting the term to just the listed events. But in most cases, we need to be very precise. Consider the example of defining a product or service. Whether you are buying or selling, you want to know precisely what it means. If you say the product includes and lists some things, does the price include the unlisted stuff or not? Instead, use words like means or consists of or is made of. These terms are more precise and avoid confusion. Of course, an individual judge or arbitrator may decide in a particular case that these words do not have the same meaning. But that's true for pretty much everything in a contract. Our job as drafters is to increase the likelihood that the interpretation is in our favor. Contract tip, legal debate over will or shall. There's a long-standing legal debate about whether to use will or shall in our contracts. Much blood has been shed. Well, okay, not really, but a lot of people get very worked up about it. Me, I'm agnostic to the whole thing, or maybe I'm more apathetic. I like will better but was trained to use shall. I try to be consistent, but I'm sure both sometimes end up in my contract. I try to be consistent, but I'm sure both sometimes end up in the same contract. Some passionate academics and militant grammarians may be upset that I am not following whatever rule they adopted. The absolute truth is that no one wants me to spend time proofreading each use of will and shall. My clients, like yours I expect, want me to be practical and focus on where they face a real risk. 
There are a million things that could go wrong with my commercial deals. I spend my time on issues that matter, like payment, warranties, intellectual property, indemnification, and limits liability. The likelihood that the use of will or shall determines anything in my contracts is so small, it's close to zero. Ignore the will-shall debate. Focus on more meaningful concepts in the short time you have for contract review. Contract tip, the danger of except as otherwise provided. I consider except as otherwise provided to be one of the most dangerous provisions in a contract. It is a favorite of many lawyers, but I found it often confused in a confusing and vague way. Think for a minute about how broad that language is. Adding this phrase means whatever statement or obligation follows is now secondary to another unknown provision elsewhere in the contract. Now, I have no problem if we reference a specific provision, such as except as provided in section 1.2, we can agree a particular provision should trump another one, but in many cases the phrase is randomly dropped in a place it doesn't belong. This approach is problematic when used with provisions critical to the risk allocation. I had one memorable negotiation in which the other side wanted to add except as otherwise provided in the agreement before the consequential damages waiver. I asked the counterparty, where in the agreement is it otherwise provided? The lawyer couldn't identify a place, but thought it was a good idea to include just in case. Avoid random insertions of this phrase where it doesn't belong. Contract tip. Using and slash or in contracts. I believe we should avoid using and slash or in our contracts. English grammar rules provide that and slash or means one or more of a list. So A, B, C, and slash or D could be just A, A plus B, A plus C plus D, or any other combination. I'll confess to you, I'm an and slash or hater. Maybe if contract drafters used and slash or correctly every time, I wouldn't have such hostility. But I've found that most uses of and slash or are incorrect. People mess it up a lot. And I don't think we mess it up because we're lazy. I think we mess it up because we're too busy. We have limited time and other priorities that require our attention and focus. We simply don't have time to sit and ponder the whole and slash or dynamic each time we use it. I see and slash or as the equivalent of toddlers who require all your attention whenever they're around. Each and slash or usage requires deep thinking to make sure it is appropriate in that context. So when I mean one or more of a long list, I just say that. It's a lot easier to simplify then to think deeply each time I use it about whether and slash or works in this context. Say what you mean. Don't use words that are often confusing and require extra work. 